0: Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you're about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. That's the title for today Learning from Our Defeats, Our Spiritual Flops, Our Spiritual Setbacks. Probably nobody here knows anything about that, but you might know somebody who does. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about. It's really spiritual warfare. Learning from our defeats in spiritual warfare. And so next week, don't miss it because it's part two to this, turning our failures into success. But talking about spiritual warfare, I want to start out with a farm story. I was really telling this for Bob and Terry, but Bob had to work today. But anyway, I'm going to start with a farm story um, because it fits perfectly. It's when we were kids... We were always looking for something to do on the farm. Interesting. And so one time, I, my brother Billy, who was a year older than me, a lot of you met Billy uh, the last couple, the weddings and stuff like that. Billy, I saw him with a chicken, and he had it on its. He caught a chicken, and he laid it on the ground, and he, he was putting its finger by its eye, doing like this, up, down, up, down. And I'm like, "What are you, Billy? What are you doing to the chicken?" He goes, "I'm hypnotizing it." I go, what? He goes, yeah, I, th- I think I could hypnotize this chicken. So he caught this chicken and, sh- and he kept doing it. And sure enough, after a couple of minutes, he stood up, walked away, and the chicken just laid there like it was dead. I'm like, how'd you do it? He goes, I just hypnotized it. I go, I want to do that too. because I'm going to get another one too. And so he, we went to chicken, we were chasing these chickens and catching them. And, and we brought them all to the same spot in the driveway there. And, and we're hypnotizing the chickens. And we just got carried away, pretty soon. There were no more chickens left. They were all just laying there on the, on the driveway. And I, and this, there's, and also I was telling Bob and Terry about this, and, and Bob was telling me, the way he did it on the farm is he would tuck their head under the wing and then he would s- spin them around and then, and then set them down and they were hypnotized. So uh, apparently there's more than one way to hypnotize a chicken, which maybe that will be, oh, that will take place of there's more than one way to skin a cat. Because that's kind of a mean thing to say. So maybe this will become the new saying, there's more than one way to hypnotize a chicken. I'm kidding. But anyway, the, so as we hypnotize these chickens, did you guys do it? Uh, it The Neelands, you guys hypnotize? No? no. Now you know what you can do. So then I got an idea. I'm like, let's play a trick on mom. So I said, I'm going to go and tell mom the dogs killed the chickens. Because the dogs, every dog, when it first came on the farm or as they are growing up, they always found chickens to be an easy, they thought they were fun, they'd chase around, and they'd often kill one. And my mom would have to train them not to kill them. So she would take that dead chicken and take a piece of twine and tie it to their neck so it hung off their neck. And she'd leave it there for about three days. After three days, they never wanted to see another chicken again. It worked. It worked. Never killed another chicken. Uh So I I knew my mom would be very upset if her training techniques weren't working because she trained all these dogs not to kill chickens. So I, I ran in the house and said, Mom, Mom, it's horrible. The dogs got into the chickens and killed every one of them. She goes, What? She goes out, yes, yeah, he killed all the chickens. She goes, Where are those dogs? And she comes running out of the house and she's following me out to the chicken coop. And sure enough, there's chickens laying everywhere, just laying there. And she's like, Oh, those darn dogs. I don't know if she actually used the word darn, but we won't go there. But anyway, she goes, you know, we, farm talk. But anyway, she's like Are those dogs, you know, and she's so mad and and uh, and she's she like freaking out. And I'm like, I can't believe they killed every chicken. We won't have any eggs. And she goes staggering through these chickens, all upset. And as she goes, steps by them, all of a sudden you see one pick its head up and kind of shake its head, flutter up. Get, you know, you ever see the chicken they get up and they walk away. And, and, and another one got startled. And, and pretty soon, they're all just jumping up and like shaking their heads. And, and my mom was shocked. Zombie chickens, right? Yeah, She was like, what's going on? I'm like, ah, we got you, mom. We hypnotized your chickens, mom. We got you. She was glad when I left the farm. But anyway. the uh, <laughs> Now, the crazy thing is, hypnotized chickens, the crazy thing is, I, I think we're seeing the same thing in the USA today to most Christians. Nobody here, but you might know someone like this. We're, we're seeing so many Christians that have been hypnotized by the enemy, that have been completely hypnotized by the world, by the flesh, by the devil. Completely clueless to what is going on in spiritual comas, not living in spiritual victory, not achieving our spiritual purpose, not reaching our spiritual potential because we've been hypnotized by the world and by Satan and by the flesh. Now remember, Joshua is a physical picture. If you haven't been here and you met from the start, go back, listen to YouTube's podcast, catch up, because Joshua is a physical picture of our spiritual battle. It's not just an interesting story. Every battle, everything that happens in the book of Joshua is a physical picture of a spiritual battle that we are in today. And just as they had to fight physical enemies. We have to fight spiritual enemies. And there are three mortal enemies we have to fight. I've already mentioned them. The first one is the flesh. We've talked about this a lot, fighting the flesh. Baptism. We just had a baptism, beautiful baptism. But that's a picture of putting our old self, our sinful self, the the sinful flesh, putting that to death. And we talked about, Remember, we talked about the train, how the train has an engine, which is the fact of God's word, and then we have to put our faith, the next car is faith, and then feelings come last. But so many times when we're living in the flesh, we let feelings pull the train, and we end up with these train wrecks. Remember I talked about that? Get, the, get that, if you weren't there, get that CD, whatever. But we also talked about the world a lot. We've been talking a lot about the world, and that's one of the enemies. Romans 12:2. do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind we've been banging away at that one right but today i want to focus on the third enemy and this is one we haven't focused on in the book of joshua yet the most bitter opponent of all satan the devil let's pray father we pray that your holy spirit would wake us up i know we all fall to lies and deceptions and satan's tricks Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would really open our eyes to your word and open our hearts to what your spirit is trying to say. And I pray that we would live free and live victorious, that we would fight by your spirit's power. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so now remember, uh, before I read this passage here, everything was going great. They're going into the promised land, Jordan opens, Jericho falls, everything's going great, victory, 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 and then disobedience. Remember, they were disobedient, and then they faced defeat, then God disciplined them, disobedience, defeat, discipline, and now Joshua, who is a picture of who? Jesus, Joshua, Jesus, same exact word, one's Hebrew, one's Greek, Uh, Joshua's a picture of Jesus. Just as they followed Joshua, we follow Jesus. Same, same picture. Now Joshua sends them back into battle against the same opponent that just defeated them. But this time they had lessons that they had learned. Now we talked about the lessons last time. And we need to learn these same lessons that they learned. We talked about these. But there's some more lessons here. And these lessons are how to fight the enemy we have to learn how from our spiritual defeat if we can learn these lessons we can learn how from our spiritual defeats from our flops from our setbacks we can learn how to have victory but the key is in order to do this for this third enemy for satan for the devil we must know our enemy we have to know his strategies and we have to know how to fight him let's start here with chapter 8 verse 3 So Joshua, this is after they're going back into the battle, so Joshua and the whole army moved out to attack Ai. He chose 30,000 of his best fighting men, and he sent them out at night with these orders. Listen carefully. You are to set an ambush behind the city. Don't go very far from it. All of you are to be on the alert. I and all those with me will advance on the city, and when the men come out to fight against us as they did before, we will flee from them. They will pursue us until we have lured them away from the city, for they will say, they are running away from us as they did before. So when we flee from them, you are to rise up from ambush and take the city. The Lord your God will give it into your hand. When you have taken the city, set it on fire, do what the Lord has commanded, see to it you have my orders." Then Joshua sent them off, and they went to the place of ambush and lay in wait between Bethel and AI to the west of AI. but Joshua spent the night with the people. Early the next morning, Joshua mustered his men, and he and the leaders of Israel marched before them to AI. They'll go to verse 14. Gonna hit all the rest of this next week. Verse fourteen: When the king of Ai saw this, he and all the men of the city hurried out early in the morning to meet Israel in battle at a certain place overlooking the Arabah. But he did not know that an ambush had been set against him behind the city. And then we're gonna look at the result. Verse twenty-eight and twenty-nine. So Joshua burned Ai and made it a permanent heap of ruins, a desolate place to this day. He hung the king of Ai on a tree and left them there until evening. At sunset, Joshua ordered them to take his body from the tree and throw it down at the entrance of the city gate, and they raised a large pile of rocks over it, which remains to this day. Okay, so we, I want to start off talking about our enemy, our enemy. And in the insert there, there's several resources at the, at the bottom. One of the resources I put was Tony Evans. He has several books and sermon series on this. Spiritual warfare and also victory in spiritual warfare. I'd really encourage you, to, as a follow-up to this, is to get a hold of his, his, uh, rec- his sermons, CDs, recordings, whatever they come now, or, and the books, and, uh, and, and watch them online and read the books because really, really great teaching on this. Tony Evans, super teacher. So, the enemy, though... A, for Israel, who was the enemy? Ai and the king, the king of Ai. Okay, that was the enemy. Ours are the world, the flesh, and the devil. We've already talked a lot about the world and the flesh as we've gone here, but I want to focus on the devil today. Satan, the devil, Satan, Lucifer, different names used for him. He was the top created angel in heaven. I'm just going to give you a synopsis here. Top angel created in heaven, but he had pride and he rebelled against God. He wanted to be like God. He didn't say, I want to be above God. He said, I want to be like God. He knew he couldn't go any higher than that. So he rebels. He tries to sit on the throne along with God. And he's kicked out of heaven with one third of the angels are thrown out of heaven. And now his whole goal is to oppose God. And God in his sovereign purpose, who knows why? <laughs> There's, I got some ideas. But God in his sovereign purpose allows him to, to, to work and to, to f- battle with us. Um, Revelation, the book of Revelation, spells out his end. You want to read what happens to him in the end? Read the book of Revelation. That spells out what happens to him. And everybody who follows the devil, it shows what's going to happen to them. Verses 28 and 29, we just talked about how they, they hung him on the tree and they burned him. That, you read the book of Revelation, you see that's a physical picture of what's going to actually happen to Satan and those who follow him. That's what's going to happen. That's a, a hard thing to see to read about even. But, but Satan hates God. He hates him and he hates anyone who, he hates us too. He hates us, why? Because we have been created in God's image. We are created the angels weren't created in God's image we have been created in God's image. Maybe that's what made him jealous, who knows, that could be one of the reasons Satan got jealous, that really we replaced him the lowest human is higher than the highest angel they're servants to us Right now, they're here, but we know that they're they're here to serve us. And maybe he didn't like being displaced. Who knows? But the point is, he hates us because we've been created in God's image, and he hates us because God loves us so much. He hates us. And he wants us to go where he's going. He wants us to go to hell. Hell was created for Satan and the fallen angels. Not for us. It was created for them. But if anybody chooses to follow them... That's where we end up. And he wants to take everybody he can to hell with him. But once he loses us, once we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we don't have to worry about hell anymore, once we put our faith, once we say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin on that cross. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. Once we take that step of faith, we don't, we're not going to hell anymore. We're guaranteed heaven. So now Satan can't take us to hell. But what does he try then? He tries to neutralize us. He tries to make sure that we can't take anybody else to heaven with us. He tries to neutralize us. He tries to defeat us spiritually. Even though he can't defeat us eternally, he tries to defeat us here spiritually. That's what he tries to do. Uh, 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9 is a a great verse on what Satan is like. In 1 Peter 5, 8, 9, it says, this is what Peter says. He says, be self-controlled and alert Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. That's he he Satan wants to take us out. Wants to take us out. And so many things that we see him doing, we say, well, it's mental or emotional, or this or that. Where, let me tell you, it's Satan's behind it. Satan is behind it. And what he does in some countries is he manifests. He scares people by manifesting. And you go into some of these tribal countries, and people are terrified of the devil and terrified of spirits because Satan has manifested so much he's terrifying them. But in a country like ours, he's tried to fly under the radar. And, and doesn't manifest until he has to, but he's manifesting more and more in this country. Read the news. Start connecting that. You will see many demonic things happening, people demon-possessed. You'll see it, but Satan, he tries to fly under the radar and hide behind psychology and, and all this other stuff here and in America, but he's active. He's working. He's, he's tempting. He's trying to take us out. This talks about him being like a roaring lion. We, were, uh, we do a lot of campfires at our house. They have that little fire thing. And uh, the, not too long ago, we were out there cooking marshmallows, making s'mores and cooking marshmallows. And we were having a good time. And the cats were all around, you know, hovering around us. And also one of the cats comes up with a mouse in its mouth. And we were kind of kidding. Well, the cat has a mouse mellow. We have marshmallows, mouse mellow. Right? So we are having fun with that. But all of a sudden, the kids, so they put... Chief the cat, Chief, he's the one, he put the mouse on, it was still alive. And it starts to go, and he swats, it and it's already all banged up. It's going to die. Sooner or later, you know what they do. They... Play with them, although it's not playing. They're torturing them, right? And my kids were like, "Oh, that's horrible!" Yeah, you know, I mean, you guys wanted cats, you know? You know, they're begging me for another one now. We're not getting another one, but they're begging. I'm like, "This is what they do. What do you think they go outside to? You know? You know, pick flowers? No, they're killing things. You know? That's what they do. They're killers. I didn't know it. Mean, and, and I go, "What do you think all those guts? You walk out in the morning, you step and look down. Oh, because they don't eat the You know what they don't eat, you know, all that gook, you know, they they leave the intestines and stuff, and you step on it, I hate that, you know, but it's everywhere, but the good thing is they're killing mice, and otherwise they'd come into the house and everything else, Right? you know, so, but I don't have a problem killing them, I don't like it when they torture them, but the kids are like, well, they're sad, look, come and save the mouse, I go, don't save it. It's already got broken bones everywhere. It's not going to live. Let the cat. This is what cats do. Yeah, they're like, this is so mean. there. I go, and finally I'm like, because you let him go. He'd let him almost get away and then he'd catch him again. And, you know, they throw him in the air and they do all that mean stuff, right? And, uh, and I finally said, you know what? This is a very good lesson for you guys. And I quoted First Peter 5, 8, and 9. I quoted it and I said, this is exactly what Satan does to us. Don't ever let the devil catch you. Don't ever get close enough for him to, to have at you because this is, that's a picture. What that, that torturing is what, this is the roaring lion. This is what they're, that's what they are. They're killers. They're torturers. They're mean. And that's what Satan is like. We have to understand that. So we must know who our enemy is, and we also have to know his strategies, his strategies. Verse 6, back to, to Joshua 8, verse 6, interesting... Where it says, they will pursue us until we have lured them away from the city. For they will say, they are running away as they did before. Alright, so that was the strategy. They got this whole strategy down. Alright, they've already beaten them once. So Joshua puts that strategy to good use. He predicted what the king of Ai would do. He used this, now this is important, he used this knowledge of a past defeat to turn that into a present victory. Learning from our defeats. If you want to turn yesterday's defeats into today's victories, we must know the strategies that the enemy uses. Football season's starting today, right? What have the coaches been doing for the past how many months? studying the team they're going to play today, and they're, they're, they know the plays they're going to use, and they know what defense they're going to use, and they're, they're trying to plan out how to beat, and they, they have all these different plays and all these different defenses and offenses, and they're trying to guess what they're going to use so they could beat them. That's what happens. And that's exactly what we have to do in order to win this. Second Corinthians 2 Corinthians 2.11 says this. In Second Corinthians 2 Corinthians 2.11 He says, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. We're not unaware of his schemes. We must be aware of his schemes, of his tricks, how he beat us the last time so we'll be ready the next time, right? He looks for our weakness. He looks for that chink in our armor. He looks for that where we're vulnerable and that's what he exploits. We all are vulnerable, aren't we? In some way. We all have these weaknesses, and he looks for that so he knows how to exploit it. It's like MMA fighters. You ever watch? I don't watch it, but once in a while I'll see a highlight. These guys look for the, any weakness, you know, any, any weakness, and then he pounds the other guy into oblivion or even girls. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. But, uh, but that's what, that's what it, he's like, this vicious MMA fighter, right? Uh, and hell maps out our falls for years, for years in advance. We, we don't just fall. We don't just crash. You see, you know, we all, we all struggle. Some people really crash. You see someone who's, who's thought spiritually was really at a different place, and they totally crash. That didn't just happen. That was, you know, that was re- they were reeled in for years. Satan will map out our fall years in advance. He even gives us breaks. Satan even gives us breaks. He even lets us have small victories so that we will let our guard down, so that we'll get lazy, so that our pride will kick in, and then he really lets us have it, right? But if we know his tricks, if we know his tricks, we will stay ready. We can defend ourselves. We will defend ourselves against his tricks and his lies. There's a really good book I put. Once again, it's on the outlined there. Randy Elkhorn, Lord Falgren's letters. It's, it's an updated version of the screw tape letters C.S. Lewis, but really, really good. And then he actually came out with a teen, one for teenagers too, called The Ishbane Conspiracy. Really good books Showed how Satan uses his tricks and, and, and the, the, the tricks he uses to, 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 to pull us down. And, it, and he, we have to be aware of those, these, these temptations, these lies that we, we listen to. Why don't you just sleep in today? What's the big deal? You've been at church twice in the last month. Why don't you sleep in today? You know, One more week won't hurt. You don't need to get up and go pray. You can take a week off from praying. Take a break. Go ahead. Have that extra drink. Go ahead and turn on the TV or the computer when you know why you're being pulled to do that. Go ahead and call that person. Go out with that person. Uh, Thinking about that won't hurt. I remember there was a guy who was talking to me when I first went into ministry, and he was giving me some spiritual lessons. He said, "Listen, you can look at the menu, just you just can't order." He's on about his third wife, I think now, and uh, and you know that hey, you, you can think think about it, just don't act on those thoughts, right? Or pity party. Look, how, look what you you've got it really bad. Pity party is one of the favorites feel sorry for ourselves. Your, your needs aren't being met by your spouse. Or God's not meeting your needs. And this is why you need these things in your life. Or, hey, you've been clean all these years. I talked a lot earlier. You've been clean all these years. One drink, one pill, one, one puff, one quick fix. No big deal. You can, you can go right back to where you were. no. These, these deceptions, and I'm just naming a couple. You, we could probably add all of us, many, many deceptions and many lies and many de- strategies. We must say no to each lie. And once we know who our enemy is and wh- how he attacks us, then we've got to fight. Who he is, strategy, and how to fight. Fighting the enemy. This is really, really important. We have to fight spiritually, just like these Israelites. We talked about all this last week. they got to fight. We have to fight. We are in a spiritual war, and we must learn how to fight our enemy. Understand something. If you're not a Christian, or before you were a Christian, before you put your faith in Jesus, or if you're still not a Christian, you know what, what we were, and you know what you are then? You're a POW. POW. You're a prisoner of war. You know any POWs? One of my neighbors was a POW. He was captured in the Battle of the Bulge. And uh, he was POW, and it was a horrendous, horrendous time. We knew all about his story. That's what we are before we put our faith in Jesus. If you have never put your faith in Jesus right now, you are a prisoner of war to Satan. He's got you. And every one of us were there at one time. That's what we are. Second Corinthians, 4, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says this, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is, in the, is the image of God. If you have never put your faith in Jesus, you are a POW, you are blind. We all were. are not picking on anybody. We, that's where we all were. But the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are set free. The moment you say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin. I repent of that sin. I put my faith... Faith in Jesus to forgive me and to give me a new life. I'll give my life to Jesus. The moment you pray that prayer of faith, you are set free. You're free to fight. You're free to fight. We're set free to fight. That's what we're set free to, to to fight. And we must fight. If we don't fight, you know what will happen? We'll be recaptured. Never in the same way, but still. Captured and, and, and neutralized. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.26 says this, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Talking about Christians here. They will escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. That can happen to us if we are not Fighting as Christians, if we're not careful. And I think we all can relate to that, right? The strongholds that we we fall into. Joshua and in Joshua 8, the Israelites were defeated. They were defeated. They had to learn how to fight and we do too. It's who we are. It's what God is God expects us to fight Satan. That's how He's gonna end this whole spiritual battle. God could fight him anytime. God can knock him out any time. The spiritual battle is not Jesus fighting the devil. No. Jesus could win the battle anytime he wants. He just has to say something. No. We're fighting the devil. It's our battle. He's using it in our life to, to move us forward spiritually, to grow us spiritually, to get rid of the garbage in our life, to refine us. He's using that. It's but it's it's our battle. In fact, in Revelations 12, 7 through Revelations twelve, seven to twelve, it says this. Talks about that battle and, and how it's going to end. He says, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. We are guaranteed ultimate victory, but we must fight. And it's a brutal war. And it's getting more brutal every day, isn't it? Just ask those who are being persecuted. Christians being really persecuted. We're starting to face pressure, but they're facing intense persecution all over the world. We better be ready for this war. We better be ready to fight. We better be wearing our our body armor. We better have the weapons ready. Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, if you don't have this memorized, I'm gonna, then you, are, you better memorize it because this is really, really vital in the spiritual battle. This talks about how to fight this battle. Finally, verse, verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Remember, that's who we're fighting. We're not fighting these wacko... I'm not going to start naming names. Uh, there's a lot of people out there hate Christians. In the United States and out, all over the world. That's not who we're fighting. They're POWs. They're spiritual zombies. Right. We're fighting Satan. We're fighting the demonic spirits. That's what we're fighting. And then this is the only way to fight is is spiritually. He says, verse 13, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm, then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. That's how we fight. The only way to survive is to fight with that armor. And the only way to survive this war is to follow closely to, with Jesus Christ. It's com- this is all about de- completely depending on Jesus Christ. Remember AI? The first battle? Now We talked about this the last few weeks. The first battle, what did they do? They said, we got this. We don't need you, Joshua. We don't even need your whole army. We're just going to go off and, and fight this battle on our own strength. Remember? And they got their butts kicked, right? And so they they come back, and the second time, what do they do? They followed Joshua very closely. And who is that? Jesus for us. They followed his commands very closely. The difference between defeat and victory was they followed him very closely. In fact, I just want to read those couple of verses again, verses 9 and 10. This was the difference. Then Joshua, Joshua 8, verse 9. Then Joshua sent them off, and they went to the place of ambush and lay in wait between Bethel and Ai to the west of Ai. But Joshua spent the night with the people. Early the next morning, Joshua mustered his men, and he and the leaders of Israel marched before them to Ai. They didn't leave Joshua home this time. They followed him. Complete dependence. We're going to talk about that next week. when We talk about turning failure into success. Very, very important. They totally followed him. That's what James 4.7 is talking about. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's complete dependence. The de- de- dependence. First, we completely depend on God. We pray, we depend on his word, and then we resist Satan. We need God completely. We cannot fight this battle. Are you ready for the spiritual battle? Are we living in victory? Not perfection, but are we seeing progress? Are we seeing progressive victory in our life? We'll never see perfect victory until we get to heaven. But are we seeing that progressive victory? Are we learning from our mistakes? Are we learning from our spiritual flops, From our spiritual setbacks? Or are we just keep making them over and over and over again? Nothing, if you're a parent, what is nothing more frustrating than when, than when your kids keep making the same mistake over and over again? That, how do you think God feels when we do that? We... Are we learning from our mess-ups? We all mess up. It's not about messing up. The key is, are we learning from our failures so we don't keep repeating them? Are we avoiding that that dangerous place, that dangerous person, that dangerous thing, that thing that we know is going to pull us down? Are we avoiding it? Are we completely dependent upon our Joshua, on Jesus? Do we do what he did? Are we depending on his word? Do we do what Jesus did? Remember Jesus is tempted by the devil? What did he do? Quoted scripture. Three times he quoted the word of God. And it's not just quoting it, but it's depending on that. He quoted the word of God. Remember I talked about the different armor? I look for every chance I can to bring my sword. But uh, one of my swords. I have many swords. But uh, remember, there's one piece that you could fight with on all that armor. all Everything's defensive, but there's one piece and that's the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And the sword, the word used there for sword, was not a big, broad sword. There's other places, Hebrews, and where he talks about the sword, the double-edged sword. It's not that sword. The word used in Ephesians, it was the armor, was with the Roman soldier. They had this little dagger on their belt. And when they got into in-close fighting, that desperate fighting... When the shield was knocked down, the helmets knocked off, they were hand-to-hand gripping the enemy. The Roman soldiers had this sword, this dagger-like sword. They would pull it out, and they would stab it up into their enemy. Many of their battles, the Romans, you read their battles, many of their battles were won and in that fight with that sword, that little dagger that would be stabbed. That's what we have to use. The Word of God. We have to have it memorized. We have to already prayed about it and lived it and fought with it so that when we get into that desperate fighting, we use the Word of God. Quote it out loud. Satan doesn't read minds. Quote it out loud. Claim it. Live it. Obey it. Fight with it. Satan hates the Word of God. If you've ever been involved in any... It's freeing somebody from a demonic possession or even oppression. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, they hate the Word of God. It's not about holy water and all the stuff you see on TV. That doesn't do a thing. When you quote the Word of God, it's like pouring acid on a demon. They hate it. They scream for you to stop. And even if, you're not, even if you're not dealing with an open demonic possession, it's the same thing. We're dealing with spiritual warfare Quote the word of God. Satan and his demons hate it. It's powerful. Do we know who the real enemy is? His strategies, how to fight, I put another reference in there, in there from uh, Neil Anderson, Victory Over the Darkness. If you never studied that, read that book, memorize the book, read it 20 times. It's really good. There's another one just like it called The Search for Significance. I know a lot of you have read that by Robert McGee. Uh, that's another great one. Very important to really be equipped for this. Maybe, maybe you're caught right now. Maybe you're caught right now. There's a, there's a, there's a stronghold in your life. That's so strong, you have to learn to start fighting that. You read Victory Over the Darkness, start using all the spiritual battle techniques from the scripture that they bring out in their search for significance. But we, we can, you can fight. We can fight for our freedom. We must fight for our freedom. And it never stops. It's like, oh, I'm arrived. <laughs> no, never stops. M- you might need help. You might be in such a stronghold that you might need help. You might need someone to come alongside of you. Talk to me. Talk to Kim. We'll get you. We'll help you, or we'll connect you with someone, Christian counselor. You might need help. Many times it's so strong we need someone to come alongside of us and help us. Remember the cat I was talking about? We had the, another fire not too long after that, and they carried in a baby bunny. Uh, I don't mind meeting the mice, but I like the bunnies, right? And the kids were like horrified. Oh, they got a baby buddy and they're all upset. And I'm like, I'm like, what can we do? And I go, I'm like, I don't know. It might, I don't know if it's, too hurt, if it's too hurt you're going to have to let him finish it but, but he dropped the bunny and the bunny started hopping he's, like, he's okay, he's okay, he's okay and then the cat grabs him again You know, and I'm like okay, try to save that one so they go running over they start just scaring the cat they're distracting the cat and they're trying to get him away and finally they got the cat so distracted they dropped the bunny and he's looking at them and they're yelling and all the stuff they were doing and the bunny shot into the weeds and disappeared got away he needed help And a lot of times we need help. We're in that same place where we need someone to come alongside of us and help us get free of the stronghold that's hitting us. Maybe you're here today, and you are not a Christian yet. You are in Satan's grasp. You're a prisoner of war, and you you can't fight. POWs can't fight. But you can be free today. Any one of us can be set free today. We've been given the keys to, to, to escape by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. John 3.16 tells us how. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, you are set free to fight. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us this morning? Maybe we realize that we have bought lies. We've given Satan footholds in our life. We've listened to the deceptions. And as a result, we're not living in victory or reaching our spiritual potential Achieving our full purpose that God created us to achieve. We don't have the peace and the joy that we should have. We don't have the intimacy with God. The close relationship with Jesus. But we can have that. But we're going to have to fight for it. By faith, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. By living by faith, we can have that victory. What in our life do we need to pray about and say, God, please forgive me, I repent of this area in my life. That's the first step to breaking the strongholds. Remember we talked about repent, renounce, resist, renew. What do we need to repent, renounce, resist and renew? What area is God speaking to us? And maybe it's so strong that we know we need to talk to somebody, we need to get some to come alongside of us and and help us fight this battle. Will you pray and commit to that? Maybe here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus, you know, you realize today that you are a prisoner of war. That Satan has you in his teeth, in his claws. That you're powerless to change your life. You're powerless to move forward spiritually. But you can be free right now. You can start living a new life right now. You can begin to to battle spiritually right now, but it starts with a prayer of faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Right where you are, you can put your faith in Jesus. The prayer of faith. God, I believe Jesus. Jesus. Died for me. He died on the cross for my sin. He paid the penalty for my life. I'm putting my faith in him. I ask you to forgive me because I'm repenting. I'm turning away from that old life, that empty life, from all the lies. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to you, God. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, You have been set free. Your life will never be the same because you have been set free. Free to fight. Free to begin to live the way that God created you to live. And if you've prayed that prayer of faith, I want to to encourage you to tell somebody. Maybe you're here with a family or a member or a friend or tell me on the way out felt the card stick in the box, email, text, call, let somebody know, let me know, because we'll be excited and we'll teach you how to fight. We'll teach you how to live who you have become as a child of God. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would move through our church, through each person here in a powerful way. I pray our lives will never be the same because of the truth that we've accepted and taken hold of this morning. I especially pray that everyone would take your word, the sword of the Spirit, and fight our way to victory. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.